27 minutes away from 2 o'clock. Now to an issue that's uh, pushing a few buttons around town. Uh, uh, it's, it's the push to open uh, more of our national parks, our gardens and uh, heritage sites to tourism opportunities. Now traditionally, of course, these areas have been uh, completely off limits to private operators when it comes to developments like uh, you know, accommodation and cafes and salad doors and so forth. But under this plan, which was originally floated by the, the previous Labor government, entrepreneurs have been invited to put up some ideas and one in particular is uh, raising a lot of hackles. We're talking, of course, about uh, the plans for the Flinders Chase National Park on Kangaroo Island. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that today. We'd love to hear your views on it. Joining me to discuss uh, further is Matt Johnson from uh, the Department of Environment and Water. Hi, Matt. G'day, Alan. Thanks for coming in. Sean De Bruin, uh, who uh, is a regular from uh, SATAC, that's uh, the South Australian Tourism Industry Council. How are you, Sean? Yeah, good, thanks, Alan. You're looking well. Thank you. And also uh, today on the phone, uh, we've got uh, Heath Garrett, the uh, Managing Director of the Australian Walking Company, the organisations that's come up with this plan. Hi, Heath. G'day, Alan. Thanks for uh, your time today, gentlemen. Matt, let's, let's start with the very beginning. Uh, as I said, this uh, proposal first came up under the previous uh, Labor government. Uh, what is the motive behind it? Yeah, Alan, the, um, the trail was uh, originally built uh, around about three years ago, opened yep. in October 2016, and um, the intention, uh, well, at, at the moment, is enjoyed by what we call free and independent travellers, people who are carrying largely their, their food, tents, um, gear for the five-day walk uh, on their backs. The intention, though, was to develop um, a, a higher-level accommodation experience, so what you might call a business-class experience, um, something a little bit more high-end for those who really wanted to avail themselves of the beauty um, of the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail mm -hmm. and Flinders Chase National Park, but who didn't want to carry everything. They wanted the... Um, little bit of comfort to go yeah, along with the experience. Okay. How, how long's the trail, the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail itself? Yeah, the actual trail is 62 uh, yeah. kilometres long, so most people do it over a five-day, four-night experience. Um, and the proposal is to develop a three-night, four-day experience. Uh, the feeling of the Australian Walking Company, who won the competitive process to deliver this experience... Their market research pointed to a, a long, long, long weekend, if you like, so that four-day um, experience. We know that about 70,000 Australians fly internationally to do this sort of walk each year. There's a terrific market opportunity there, and, um, and we want to seize it. Now, where we're running into trouble uh, under this scenario is what's being proposed for the Flinders Chase National Park, isn't it? That's correct. Uh, and what, what, what's the general objection there? Uh, the general objection is, is that the, um, the proposal is not consistent with the park management plan. Under the National Parks and Wildlife Act, whatever goes on in a national park has to be consistent with that management plan, which is informed by science and developed in consultation with the community and, and stakeholders. The, the plan was actually updated in 2016, and it was updated to provide for two things. The first is um, that it defined the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail as a minor development zone, so it allowed for the sort of development that we're pursuing. What sort of development? Well, the development is restricted to what we call small-scale, ecologically sensitive accommodation, and that's exactly what we're doing. Mm. Let's come to you, uh, Heath, because, after all, you are the man behind this. Uh, you're the MD of the Australian Walking Company. What are you actually proposing uh, that's uh, caused uh, a few wrinkles, uh, Heath? Yeah, look, as, as Matt mentioned, it's four-day, three-night experience. 
Um, initially, we were given the opportunity to... Uh, we went through a process um, which we, we had the, the privilege of winning um, and then we were given the opportunity to put in uh, four accommodation nodes along the existing wilderness trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chose to go with, with the three nights, as Matt mentioned. Uh, so two of those in new structures... Um, and then one of those in the existing um, lighthouse cottages at Cape de Coote. So all of our all of our tours, we, we've been running tours since the 80s. We started on the overland track in Tasmania. Um, all of our tours are small groups, um, so between 18 and 14 walkers in each group, um, depending on where we're operating. Um, and so this will be a small group of, of up to 14 walkers with three staff supporting those walkers, um, along the trail um, and it'll be a fully immersive experience so we just we really aim to get the guests immersed into the place that they're in and really developing a connection with it um, while still giving them high levels of service and, and comfort along the way. Now, the objection uh, from those who... Uh, I mean, there was actually even a protest on the steps of Parliament House last week about this, wasn't there? Two lodges, yeah. 14 individual uh, two-person tents, is that right? Uh, you know, the, 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 the posh tents? Am I right there? Yeah, call, call them posh tents, if you will. They're actually hard. So the structures are, have, have got hard walls and roofs. Oh, okay, right. So yeah. in the proposal, we call them tent-like. Right. Um, yeah. And they're actually... They've got a similar footprint, so a very small footprint. Um, so, yeah, and we, we call them pods. Okay. So two lodges and, and the 14 pods then. Um, uh, the, the, the objection is they're too big for the National Park and they're going to impose too much on the National Park. Is that correct? That is the objection, yeah. yeah. And yeah. look, as so we... how, how do you answer that then, Heath? Yeah, well, look, a big... I mean, one of our values is, is um, environmental integrity. Um, we're a very values-driven company. Um, so in this instance, we do all we can to reduce the impact um, on the environment locally. Um, and also, importantly, on other park users. So we've had to balance that up, of course, with a a bunch of other criteria, things like, you know, the cost of of putting these things in there um, and and the guest experience, of course. Um, So we've been very careful around selecting the sites to meet all those criteria. Um, And once we picked the zones that um, we're actually looking at putting the accommodation in, um, we've we've engaged the design team led by Phil Harris from from Tropo Architects, um, and they've done all they can to basically nestle them in so that they are um, nestled into little dip, dips between the dunes, mm-hmm. um, and also within existing cleared areas. So at Sanderson, for example, there are some areas that have been grazed by the local kangaroos, so it's already a bit damaged. So that was kind of the obvious place to put that. Um, put that infrastructure. Uh, we've also been careful to place it a certain distance away from the, the wilderness trail so that it's not visible um, or impact on the other users. And interestingly, isn't that one of the criticisms that you're, that you're actually doing it so far away from the wilderness trail? We're going to have you know a whole new set of driveways in, into these uh, lodges. It is. And look, the driveways are a very good example um, of, of where we've been able to reduce our impact. Um, and you're right. Alan, they're too far away for some. Some would like us to be right basically on the wilderness trail. Um, But again, in addressing the criteria I mentioned before, um, we've come up with some great sites. But um, we're not actually putting roads in. Um, We're basically just putting in tracks that can support very light vehicles, um, which will will have basically locally 
mulch veg, veg, vegetable matter on it um, to support the vehicles. And then the actual walking trails will be basically along the same lines of the existing wilderness trail, which is very low impact. Right, yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, Sean, Sean De Bruin uh, from the South Australian Tourism Industry Council. Someone standing on the outside looking in is going to say, this is just a slippery slope. This is the beginning of us actually losing control of our you know, national parks and, and our treasures of the state. Um, yeah, I, I would actually say it's the opposite, Alan. It's actually us making sure that these special places are there forever. Um, it, it, the fundamental re- way we do that is to make sure that people appreciate these places, understand them, are educated when they interact with them, and then care about them afterwards when they go home and want to conserve them. So I actually think... <clears throat> By having sustainable visitor interaction that's done in a professional way, um, it actually adds significant opportunity to these places being preserved over many, many generations to come. Matt, your department is overseeing this this whole project. Uh, do, do you share that view? I mean, what do you say to the friends of the, the Flinters Chase National Park who, who who are the ones that are leading the charge against this? this the, they're saying, hang on, this is the thin end of the wedge. Yeah, I think it's important to uh, keep in mind that uh, the sort of tourism product we're introducing here is highly regulated and controlled. Um, At the moment, tens, hundreds of thousands of people frequent our parks, often on their own, which is appropriate. Um, Some of them respect, highly respect their environment and and leave no footprint or damage. Other people don't. Um, What we know is that through an initiative like this, the group is highly controlled from go to woe. So what Australian Walking Company um, have secured is the opportunity to take small groups of 14 walkers uh, on these guided tours. And that number is a a maximum number. So Mm. it's highly controlled, highly regulated. Um, And the the approach by having guides walking with guests at all times means, as Sean said, that um, people are really given the opportunity to develop a better uh, deeper appreciation for the natural environment to grow in their understanding and often they come on these walks looking for a bit of adventure mm. they leave as passionate advocates for the environment it'd be hard not to doing that walk too <laughs> hate knowing the area reasonably well i mean and that's part of the argument isn't it that the area that we're talking about is so special um we shouldn't be touching it it, it is very special and we need to uh do all we can to minimize the the impact um, and, you know, I think through this sort of project, we're getting a, in the Australian Walking Company a, a, a company with an incredible track record in doing just this. You know, they've been around for, you know, three decades now. Um, they've got a, a clear methodology and, a, and, and principles that guide their approach. And, um, and I'm really confident in time, you know, subject to the development consent that they mm. still need, which is a, a process independent from uh, our department. But I think people will come to really appreciate what they're um, what they're developing. Uh, Adam has called in from uh, Salt Creek with a comment. Hi, Adam. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. Thanks for holding on. No worries. What are your thoughts? Look, I think it's a uh, like I said, it's a, it's a concern, but it's, I see it as positive. Um, our national parks have taken a pretty big hit over the last 15, 20 years with lack of funding and so forth, and you know, quite a few of them are in a fairly dilapidated state. And, you know, this gives the opportunity for, like they're saying, you know, you're looking at a high-end product here at the moment in Flinders Chase, but across our other parks, you know, they can spread some of this sort of investment from external sources 
make a benefit for all visitors. Mm. Like we're looking down here at the Kurong, you know, we're losing campsites, tracks, God knows what. And if there was a private interest in it, now that can benefit a lot of other people. And like I think it was uh, Sean said earlier, you know, the education is really critical. We've got a lot of people that come down here, and unfortunately, a lot of them are you know very disappointed with what they find because you know parks are limited, their resources are limited. So um, if other entities are going to invest in our parks, that really can only be seen as a positive. Thanks, Adam. Uh, a really good point, and I, I think you're spot on. Um, the Coorong is one of our sleeping giants, and it has been seriously overlooked as far as a, a tourism opportunity is concerned, hasn't it, over all these years? This could be, as, as Adam uh, stated, uh, Sean, it could be uh, an opportunity, the, the beginning of a whole new era. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, um, um, you know, Heath raised the point before that um, this business has been operating in Tasmania since the 1980s. And if, if you want to see what, you know, really good walking experiences look like and how that benefits um, not just the community but the places that these experiences happen but also jobs for young people in regional areas, have a look at Tasmania because they're doing it the best in the country at the moment. And um, having the Australian Walking Company looking to invest in SA is a great sign of future opportunity for us as a state. From an industry point of view, do you take the view that uh, if we don't embrace this uh, opportunity, we might actually miss 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 a golden opportunity yeah absolutely. We, it might become too late yeah um and if if anything we are coming to this you know later than many other destinations around the world kangaroo island as i'm sure many um locals appreciate is um highly appealing across the globe um people come there from all over the world because of the amazing natural experiences wildlife seascapes landscapes it's just an amazing place to visit um and if we don't remain competitive in terms of the visitor experience that we offer then other destinations will seize the day and they'll take our you know prospective future visitors so it's really important that we continue to evolve and look at how we can deliver even better visitor experiences on kangaroo island and other places around the state alan i was just going to add to that if i may some of um those opposed to this particular uh, development have mentioned the case of Hitchinbrook um, Island in Queensland. Mm -hmm. And you've got a big resort there that was abandoned a decade or so ago. It's never been rehabilitated and fixed up and it's left, you know, to go to rotten ruin. Um, that is a very different scale of development to what we're proposing here. Um, this is genuinely low-impact, uh, light footprint. And the other point, just to pick up on um, on the earlier caller, is that we are um, uh, setting in place a lease with the Australian Walking Company, uh, which will give them the opportunity to develop and then operate this accommodation for up to 45 years. It's a long, a long time, admittedly, but attached to that is a, is a significant payment that Australian Walking Company will make to the department, to the people of South Australia, really, for the opportunity. That money gets collected in a, a mechanism called the General Reserves Fund, mm -hmm. and that money is invested on the national park system. All right, we're talking about uh, nature-based tourism and uh, what impact it can have or, or might have on our uh, national parks. Specifically in this case, we're talking about the Flinders Chase National Park, but if you want to uh, talk about any of the other issues, uh, give us a call, 8223 Office Works is supporting business every day. Hi, I'm Peter Switzer from growyourbusiness.com.au. Never underestimate the power of print to refresh your brand and bring a marketing strategy to life. Officeworks helped Jack Alley achieve a fresh new look for his Mr. Natural Vegetarian Pizza restaurant. 
We hadn't changed a look since we first opened. Officeworks Print and Creative Services helped Mr Natural time travel from 1985 to 2019. Our new design reflects the freshness and vibrancy of our business and it's even on the wallpaper. Jack printed everything from Mr Natural business cards and menus to posters, wallpaper and fridge magnets at Officeworks. The shop looks so fresh and inviting now. The rest is up to us. Officeworks, helping make bigger things happen. For 71 years, we've been answering the call from one of our favourite fundraisers, and of course that is the Australian Red Cross. Now once again, March is Red Cross Calling Month, where thousands come together to, uh, in a giant wave of humanitarian action, raising money for Red Cross in their communities, their schools and the workplaces. Now everyone can be a hero and all donations make a difference. $10 can give a hot, healthy meal to a young person sleeping rough. $15, for example, can provide a regular check-in for someone who's isolated or experienced trauma. 20 bucks, well, that can provide everyday essentials to a family who's lost their home in a disaster. So please give generously if you see a, a Red Cross volunteer door knocker, a community group, or even a school raising money in your local area. Or you can donate online at redcross.org.au. Hi, it's David Penberthy here with Martin Penny from Paint Professionals. Is it true that your dad actually painted for the royal family? Yes, my father was hand-picked to paint the Queen's bedroom, Charles and Di's honeymoon suite. Whether you're in Wayville or uh, Morfitt Vale or Springfoot or Glenelg, it really doesn't matter. To us, everybody deserves that same treatment. So get your whole home painted or just a room. Get in touch like we did with Marty and his incredible team at Paint Professionals. Visit paintprofessionals.com.au. Paint Professionals, brush with the best. Where I was in Omsk with Vlad and Svetlana, and we're at the best caviar house in the motherland. We're into the Iranian beluga, champagne, you name it. Then I get a text from Westpac, and I realized, hang on, I've never been to Omsk or eaten caviar, but someone with my credit card info has. Westpac Protect covers you against credit card fraud 24-7 because help knows who you are and who you're not. If we detect irregular activity, we'll get in touch to verify. Want to buy some Arborvitae? It's available online by visiting arborvitae.com.au or you can buy Arborvitae direct from Health Elements Castle Plaza, Salisbury Health Foods and Go Vita Tanunda. Call 1300 879 863. We all know one size doesn't fit all, especially when it comes to your health insurance. I wish I'd figured it out sooner though. I could have saved so much over the years. Are you paying too much for cover you don't need? Apia Health Insurance is designed for over 50s, so you'll be covered for the important things and you won't pay for things you may not need, like pregnancy. Over 50? Call Apia today and find out if you could be getting better value. Apia, because we know you know. This product is issued by NIB Health Funds Limited and arranged by Apia. Want to help your general well-being naturally? Try Healthy Care Lecithin from Chemist Warehouse. Lecithin is a phospholipid that assists in maintaining cellular structures. It may help to emulsify fats in the digestive system and aid and support healthy brain and liver function. Healthy Care Lecithin 1200mg 100 caps at just $8.49 at Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label, use only as directed. Vitamin supplements should not replace a balanced diet. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices every day. Macular degeneration is Australia's leading cause of blindness. If you're over 50, have an eye test and macular check. Early detection is vital. You can have the very early signs without even knowing. Information, guidance and support is only a phone call away. 
Call the Macular Disease Foundation on 1-800-111-709 for a free macular degeneration information kit. In Adelaide and across South Australia, this is Alan Hickey. Scrape your caravan, Walker Crash Caravan Repairs. Easy insurance repairs, fast. Six minutes uh, away from two o'clock. We are having a very interesting conversation about opening our national parks and uh, and other public areas to... Uh, at least a slice of commercialism. And uh, in this conversation, we're, we're concentrating on the Flinders Chase National Park. Um, um, and on the line, or in the studio with us, sorry, we have uh, Matt Johnson from the Department of Environment and Water, Sean De Bruin uh, from the South Australian Tourism Industry Council, and also uh, Heath Garrett, who's the uh, Managing Director of the Australian Walking Company, which uh, is the one that's been, uh, has put up uh, the proposal to uh, put, a, put uh, some um, infrastructure in place in the Flinders National Park. Let's come to you, uh, Heath, if I could give you the opportunity just to explain what you're, you're, you're putting in there, the two hostels, will they be completely off-grid and self-sufficient, for example? Correct, they will, yeah. We're very careful about um, about the style of infrastructure we put in. Um, and I guess when you, if you have a look on our website, we've, we've got some operations in Tassie and in Victoria. We're always learning as we go. Um, so both what I was speaking to earlier about touching the ground very lightly and reducing the, the footprint of the infrastructure, but also the systems are really important. Um, so we catch all our rainwater, um, use solar power uh, to, to power um, the, the infrastructure, um, and also just even some of the little techniques we use around the site to ensure that we're really minimising um, the impact locally. Um, it's all really important to our... To our uh, business, and it also becomes a big part of the conversation with, when our guests are there. Um, they look at how we're actually operating our, our business, um, working with our infrastructure, um, and it becomes a key conversation point, um, obviously around the dinner table in the evenings, about, um, about what sustainable li- living really is. Mm. Uh, Alison has called in from Warradale. Hi, hi Alison. Oh, hello there. What are your thoughts? Hello, hello gentlemen. Look, I've been following this as a... A lot of interest and concern, and I think it, the point's being missed that, as I understand it, those people objecting and protesting aren't so worried about the structures, the actual structures. It's just the location of the structures, which they're intending to want to put um, several kilometres off the trail on pristine headlands, coastal headlands, which, um, as I understand it, is what's being objected to. Heath, do you, uh, you want to address that? Yeah, and I touched on it before. Mm. A big part of, of our um, model, um, what we're trying to, to, to achieve, is that immersion within the wilderness. Um, so we've selected these sites so that they just give the guests an amazing wilderness experience. Um, and we've balanced that against other certain criteria. Um, we don't want to be too far off the trail either. Um, because the guests have got to walk there at the end of the day and at the start of each day. Um, but we've, as I said, we've done all we can to to cite them responsibly um, and uh, to make sure that they don't stand out like a crazy thing from um, other spots along the track. So you mentioned um, before, or, uh, Heath, they're in hollows, yeah. so they're not going to be visible. Look, they'd be visible um, if you're in certain spots, for example, at Sandy Creek. If you come down onto the bay and then walk a certain distance up the beach and look back, 
um, you'll be able to see the rooftops. But we've done all we can to side it so that it reduces the visibility from basically where you come down to the, to the beach and then uh, a fair distance up the beach. Mm. So by the time you, you can actually see them, um, you really won't be seeing much. So they really shouldn't be that ob- obtrusive. All right. Matt, can I come to you from the Department of Environment and Water? You're the one overseeing this. Is there a buck to be made for us as the, the taxpayer in this? Yeah, there is, uh, Alan. The um, the way the lease is structured, there's, there's that term of 45 years and um, the state uh, government will take a percentage of whatever Australian Walking Company um, earn over that, over that period. So as Australian Walking Company do better, so the state does better. Mm. So the incentive is uh, is there for you, Heath. You'd be happy with that arrangement? Oh, it's a good arrangement. It's a good business model. Um, so if we're going well, then the money goes into into parks, um, which is good for us and good for everyone, good for the community. Um, and obviously that it goes beyond just the money we put back into parks. We do all we can to ensure that we're in, uh, uh, employing locals. Most of our employees are guides. Um, I know there are already a lot of great guides on Kangaroo Island, so that's kind of handy. But also just the stimulus on the local economy is, is quite significant from, from tourism operators like us. Is there a, a possibility, and I'll, I'll, this is to any of you who want to jump in on this, gentlemen, um, that it might actually help split the community on Kangaroo Island. You've got a core group who's saying, no, this is wrong, wrong, wrong. You've got another group saying, this is exactly what we need. How, how are you going to uh, you know, settle that one? I think um, you know, it has become uh, divisive mm. and uh, there are people on you know, both sides and right across the spectrum. Um, I think that one of the important things we need to do is um, continue to get the facts out. Um, there have been some uh, mis, you know, misinformation circulating in the community. Um, there's been a suggestion that we're bulldozing new roads. Not the case. Um, suggestion that this is 10 kilometres of new track. Not the case. It's about six. Um, so there's just some misinformation, I think, as people become more familiar with what the model is, what the real impacts will be. Um, I think there's a lot of people who will will uh, maybe have a, a slight turn of uh, turn of a change of heart uh, mm. and, uh, and 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 support the idea. So, what time frame finally are we looking at? Uh, how long before we get a, an ultimate decision? I think it'll be a, a few months still. Um, the uh, development assessment um, is still ongoing. Um, the native vegetation impacts have to be assessed. Um, so, I think it is still a couple months away. It's a rigorous process, um, as as it ought be. Um, but we are still um, very hopeful that um, that the project will go ahead. So, your uh, Sean, your final conclusion on this would be: this is the final opportunity we have to actually make the best of what we've got in the most environmentally uh, friendly way. Yeah, this is absolutely a, a wonderful opportunity for our state, for the tourism industry. But I would also argue for the community in Kangaroo Island that I've seen other projects like this. Um, around the country and, and in, in the Flinders Ranges you see there's a lot of walking experiences in the Flinders and there's businesses up there that are doing it very well and the, the, the sheep farm that they used to operate from you know, employ, used to employ two people, now they employ a couple of dozen people mm. and most of them are young locals that have been able to stay in their community and, and, um, and deliver you know, world class experiences to visitors all over the world. 
And at the same time, these businesses have had feral cap and fox management plans in process in place, and they've delivered great benefits, um, not just economic, but also to the community and and to to the to the physical place in which they operate. So this is a great opportunity for our state. It's a really good opportunity for Kangaroo Island and the community, um, but also it needs to run through a process, as Matt has highlighted, mm. and that those processes are there for a reason. And we absolutely support this project going through that process and and having to meet the expectation of the regulators at the same time. All right, we'll keep a very close eye on it. Uh, thank you very much uh, Sean De Bruin uh, from uh, SATAC also uh, Matt Johnson from the Department of Environment and Water. Thank you Alan. And uh, also on the line uh, Heath Garrett uh, the Managing Director of Australian Walking Company Thanks very much Heath. Thank you Alan All the best gentlemen uh, and uh, as we said uh, keep, us, keep us in the loop and uh, we'll, we'll keep uh, our listeners across the developments as they come to hand 8223 0000 Dr Derry